and welcome to Food Forest Walk, a podcast about permaculture-designed food forest ecosystems. Today we'll join Karen Lusius for the second half of her guided tour. This was recorded September 2nd of 2023. I'm Leah Lavise, reminding you that this is a slideshow. You can see the plants that are mentioned in your Podcast 2.0 app. Go to podcastapps.com to download your new modern podcast app and get the most out of this podcast. Stay tuned after the walk for a poem by Marcia Beckford. The Festival Beach Food Forest is a regenerative agroforestry system. It's located on the shores of Ladybird Lake along I-35 in Austin, Texas. Without further ado, let's join Karen Lusius at the Festival Beach Food Forest to learn a little bit about some of the amazing plants that are growing there. And that's an olive tree. That's an olive tree that produces the kind of olives that you make olive oil out of. This has fruited before, and when they turn black, and then you squeeze them, I mean, it's like olive oil. It's really good. That's a European olive tree. When we had those two really big freezes, they did not like it. It was too cold for them. So they had to come back. They kind of froze back and had to come back. We have three of them. So there's another one hiding right back there. Later on this fall or winter, we'll cut all that back. They did come back, but they don't like that hard freeze. So we're learning as we go which things can handle the summers and which things can handle the winters. And I'm just happy that they're still alive. We can walk this way a little bit. Remember I said we had like seven berms in the food forest? So on this berm here, we have what's called a barrier berm. And the idea is we are trying to protect the food forest from the idling buses and I-35 and all that. And uh, when we started the food forest, the buses were not stopping here. When they started doing construction over there, they changed the bus stop to here. A year or two ago, I can't remember, maybe two years ago, we actually started shoring up the barrier berm. We actually got some trees from Tree Folks. Jillian is with Tree Folks. I don't know if you all know Tree Folks. Fantastic organization and awesome. Just giving trees out to everyone. It's like this fantastic organization. So they donated some trees for us to shore up our barrier berm. So now we have two different layers, which you can see as we walk down here. At different times of the year, you can tell. The palm tree and those big, um, those are Arizona cypress. They were planted in 2015. Yeah, like I said, this was just flat Bermuda grass. It's called a sable palm. This is a Texas native plant. It's called a sable palm. And then we have some uh, bamboo here. And the bamboo isn't native, but it's a clumping variety. It does really well, except it also doesn't like the hard freeze. So that one is coming back. It looks dead, but it's not. We're going to harvest the poles and do stuff with them. Um, I don't know. I need to research that. It's a beautiful tree. I'm it's a beautiful. It. It's a beautiful tree. Yeah, and we have more moringa here, and these are pomegranates. 
And this lovely stuff right here that makes this great, beautiful ground cover, this is all sweet potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, this is sweet potatoes. Okay, how about sweet potato question? Yeah. Are these really slips? Can we take the cuttings from that? Because I have a ton of them. I wonder, can I plant these and they grow the roots, I wonder? No. You, no. Okay. You get the slips from a, the potato. Oh, That's so. how you get the slips. You can make your own real easy, but you get it from the sweet potato itself, oh, okay. not from this. But actually, you can eat the greens. So you could actually eat the greens as like greens, like stir fry these up as greens. And then, of course, leave enough so that after the first frost, we can start digging for the sweet potatoes. Oh, okay, that's Yeah, good. so usually we harvest the potatoes in like January, okay. something okay. like that. But these make this wonderful ground cover and, know, so and you can eat them. It's pretty cool. And then we had a patch of cherry tomatoes early in the summer, and it was great. They were just covered with cherry tomatoes. But now, you know, this summer, like I'm surprised they're even still alive because the summer is too hot for, for those, yeah. When did you say that you plant the sweet uh, We planted them um, at the end of spring, beginning of summer. Okay. Yeah. So maybe like May? Something like that, yeah. yeah. They're fantastic, yeah. Writing this all down here. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, let's keep walking. These are some of the plants that we planted as another layer of our barrier berm. And these are evergreen. This is evergreen sumac. Oh. And it is a lovely plant. It's evergreen. It's native. I don't know if y'all have been to Big Bend National Park, but uh, if when you're hiking in the Chizos Mountains, these trees are native. This is called Arizona cypress native to Big Ben, and guess what grows as its understory? This stuff. And then it's probably red when it's in the fall. This, this is evergreen sumac. There's, all the, there's a lot of different ones that are native. This one's called evergreen sumac, and, and we put it here specifically because we're trying to fill in this space with natives for our barrier berm. And then this tree here, this is an experiment. This one is called uh, Montezuma cypress, and it's native to Mexico. If we can get this one to take and grow, it'll also fill in this spot, and it can grow way up in between these two and make a nice barrier up there if we can get it to grow. That one's native to Mexico, so we'll see how it does. And then here we have the Yopon hollies, and the Yopon hollies, repeat after me, Yopon Holly. <laughs> and then those are evergreen sumac. Okay, that will help you remember. Yopon Hollies are also a native, and that's why we put them here. That's also one right there. So we're hoping that this will fill in. This plant, its claim to fame is that the leaves are a source of caffeine. And you can make a tea or coffee substitute with this plant that actually tastes really good and that has caffeine in it. I think it's the only plant in North America that has caffeine, I think. That's what I've heard about this plant. Basically, you would just harvest the leaves and put them in a, a single layer on like a cookie sheet or something. You could toast them at, I don't know, 225 or something for maybe 20 minutes and it has a nice toasty flavor, grind it up and drink it like a coffee beverage. Or you could just do the leaves and drink it as a tea beverage. They're tasty, they're full of antioxidants, lots of nutrition, and they have caffeine, which we love. What? Sorry, can you just nibble on the leaves? Like, or is it gonna hurt you? 
Um, would it hurt you? I don't think it would hurt you, but most people usually just make it into a, a tea. I haven't heard of people just eating it. But I will tell you, like this one, this one has berries. Like some of them have berries and some of them don't. So that one has berries. So those little berries will turn bright red because it's a holly. It'll look really beautiful, but um, those berries will make you throw up. So you don't want to eat them. So uh, the name of this plant is Ilex vomitoria. And so it's an Ilex species and uh, it's called Ilex vomitoria because it will make you throw up. And if you wanted to throw up, well, there you go. You know, there's like a, there's like something that could help you throw up right there. But um, most people don't. The birds eat it and it does not bother them, you know, but for us, it will make us throw up. See this beautiful stuff here? This is our summer cover crop. So we grow cover crops here pretty much all season. Like we have winter cover crops that we grow. We have summer cover crops. So this one is called cow peas. Cow peas, yeah. Cow peas are a wonderful cover crop. I mean, look at them. They made it through this hot, 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 hot summer and they're still all green and beautiful looking. They're putting nitrogen in the soil. Most beans are nitrogen fixers. They are putting nitrogen in the soil. You can eat the leaves. They actually will make a bean that you can harvest and eat. Most people eat it like a dried bean, you know, like black eyed peas or something. But we grow it as a cover crop. We're not growing it to eat the beans. When you first plant this and these first come out, people are just harvesting the leaves because you can eat the leaves and they're really good. But then it just comes right back. It's really hardy stuff. So what we're gonna do probably in September or maybe October, I haven't decided yet, we're gonna do what's called chop and drop. So chop and drop is another permaculture technique that we do. And so what we'll do is we'll take all these beautiful plants, we will chop them right at the ground level, right where the stem meets the dirt. We chop it right there and then we just lay it down. You see this right here? We actually already did a chop and drop here. We did that because they had covered these up. Like these were just covered. You couldn't even see them. They were just covered. So we will do a chop and drop with all of our cover crops sometime this fall. And then that just puts the nutrition right back in the soil. So we're growing it for the soil. Our purpose, well one, it covers everything. So you always want to cover your soil. You don't want the hot sun hitting your bare soil. So it does cover it. But also this is just adding a lot of nutrition to the soil. That's the main reason that you want to plant cover crops. Anyway, this is our cover crop, cow peas. If you look back here, do you see that little tree right there? Growing right there? That's one of my favorites. That is a ginkgo tree. Ginkgo. 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 Yeah, so that's a ginkgo. Ginkgos are amazing. Like ginkgos have been around since the time of the dinosaurs. You can find ginkgo leaves in fossils and they're really beautiful leaves they kind of look like fans they're really pretty this is an amazing tree so this will grow up big and tall and be amazing and beautiful so this tree medicinally is used for cognition memory you can buy it in the drugstore you know ginkgo biloba it's used for for memory and and cognition but it's also just a beautiful amazing tree so we're lucky to have one that's our ginkgo tree there on this tree this is cover crop which has climbed up this tree or this dead tree and also interwoven in all that is passion flower 
And so this passion flower is the Passiflora incarnata. This is the one that herbalists love to use for uh, lowering blood pressure and for a nighttime tea blend, like to help you sleep and chill out. It's what's called a nervine. It will like, you know, relax you, lower your blood pressure. It's a mild sedative. It's all interwoven in here. And I was trying for like two years to make the passion flower vine climb up this thing and it would only make it up about this tall and I just kept I kept tacking it up and trying all these things and it just wouldn't grow up to the top but now this is the first year that we did cow peas we, we did buckwheat and some other things before the cow peas have helped it grow up so it's both it's the cow peas and the passion flower this is the passiflora incarnata this is a different variety from that pink one this is a purple one it also gets an edible fruit which is called maypop and it's kind of a yellow orange fruit some people think it tastes like apricot but that's kind of a stretch it's a fantastic uh tree well i'm, I'm actually in love with everything so um, <laughs> this is bay this is a bay um, that poor little thing there is a hawthorn and i keep trying to grow hawthorn hawthorn's really good heart medicine that one's not too happy this is an acacia called wasache Masache. And um, so it's, it's a wonderful nitrogen fixer. You can see how this has created this little microclimate here. It's like we're in the woods again. This one is a nitrogen fixer. It also makes a little golden ball, kind of like we have another tree that does that same thing. This one is native. This one is native to Texas for thousands and thousands of years, this acacia called wasache. And uh, the golden balls one, you can make perfume out of them. They smell so good. And two, indigenous people use them to make medicine. They use them for things like bronchitis and things like that. So this is a really amazing tree and it grows really fast. This is not golden ball lead tree? No, that's a different okay. one. So golden ball lead tree, it doesn't get this big and it also gets those pretty golden balls. And we have some of those. I have been told that golden ball lead tree was introduced by the railroads. We've had it since the 1800s, but the um, but this acacia, the wasache, has been native to Texas for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That's what I've been told. And then I want to tell you about this real quick. So this is called frostweed. Frostweed. Yeah. Frostweed. So this is just this native stuff that just grows out in the wild. But this is a really cool plant. So it gets this beautiful bloom on it. And this is a nectar source for the monarch butterflies. So when they're coming through in the fall on their migration, this plant, it'll have this beautiful bloom, white flowers, gorgeous. And they're gonna bloom soon. They will be covered with monarch butterflies. It's really lovely. The reason they call it frostweed is that when there's a hard freeze, the stem pops out and has this white, stuff and it looks like ice and that's why they call it frostweed in a hard freeze the stems will pop out and it'll be white and look like ice um, they call it frostweed because of that but um, we have lots and lots of different natives like all along here like this one flame acanthus has the little tubular flowers that the hummingbirds love this one is called bee brush it's called bee brush so this is like a bush that gets covered oh you can see this little flower 
So it gets covered with these beautiful little white flowers that the bees love. It's very, very, very fragrant and lovely native. So they have cultivated a plant from this that you can buy in the nursery. It's called almond verbena. Oh, I saw that. I wanted to buy that yesterday. Well, it is related to this. It is actually cultivated from this. So the blooms are bigger and you can smell them a block away, but it does not handle the heat or the freezes as well as this. This one is a much subtler little bloom, but it does the job, you know. This one is called Aloysia gratissima, <laughs> is the name of this plant. The common name is bee brush, bee brush. Yeah, the almond verbena is really pretty, but it's like you're gonna have to work, you know, to keep it all like fluffy and beautiful, but it smells wonderful. So, bee brush, yes. Aloysia gratissima, and then the, the almond verbena is Aloysia, it has another name, like, I don't know, Aloysia vergata or something like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's for, it comes from this plant. This one here is called ironweed, and it gets this gorgeous purple bloom. There's only one on here right now. Ironweed. Ironweed. But when, when they're all blooming and they're purple, boy, is that ever pretty. Wow. It's really pretty. Every forest, every mature forest has at least about eight layers. And right here is a cool spot because you can look around and you can see all the layers right from this spot. So we have the canopy layer, the understory layer, shrub layer, herbaceous layer, a root layer, a fungal layer, a ground cover layer, and a vine layer. So we have all these layers going on in the food forest. Really, this is less than an acre. It's two thirds of an acre. So you really want to pack as much as you can into it. And one way to do that is layers. Plus you are creating microclimates. Yes. And when you create these microclimates, you can grow things. It's been 108 and 106 all summer. And these things are alive, you know. <laughs> we do have volunteers, but we're not here all the time. So we need things to, you know, be resilient. So. That's why we have a lot of natives and we create these microclimates. When we're in this pecan circle, I swear it's 15 degrees cooler in there. Mm -hmm. It's a definite yes. microclimate. It's really amazing. So over here, there's a few things I want to talk to you about. So this berm right here, we call it our medicine berm because we have lots of medicine on it. So this one is looking a little sad right now, but this is one of my favorite, favorite trees in the food forest. So this is an elderberry tree. Elderberry. And if, if you walk down any aisle in a drugstore or H-E-B or anything now, you'll find all kinds of elderberry medicine because this is a very, very, very well-researched, very effective medicine. But what's happened is, like usually every summer until this summer and last summer, I have been able to harvest all these berries here. You see these green berries? They start off as these gorgeous white flowers, then they turn into these green berries, then they're supposed to turn into these juicy purple berries and then that's when we harvest them to make elderberry syrup and elderberry elixir and dry them for elderberry tea and all that good stuff and i've always been able to every year just have like bags and bags and been able to make like so much stuff but the last two years it's been too hot what happens is we'll get the green ones but then they dry up you see these brown things like that they just dry up and fall on the ground. So they're gonna make babies, I guess, but they won't ripen into the berries when it's this hot. But what I will say is 
in the spring we get an abundance of the flowers and you can make a lot of things with the flowers too. It's still a great thing to have because the flowers are also just as medicinal and you can use the flowers for upper respiratory. The berries are more for lower respiratory. They're both good for colds and flu. Uh, it's one of the best medicines for um, influenza. It's a very, very effective medicine for flu. The flowers, one, they taste delicious. The tea, it's like you're drinking flowers. It's just delightful, really tasty. You can make all kinds of things. It's good for your skin. You can make topicals. You can have tea, tinctures, all kinds of medicine with the flowers. And in the spring, it's just covered with flowers. It's just amazing. But what I notice is that this just gets direct sun. So if this was in the shade, they would probably be okay because we have some more growing over there in that little shady spot and they're not getting blasted quite as much. It's all about microclimates and then you just notice this was fine until two years ago. Last year and this year we haven't been able to get the berries because it was just too hot. This one we can just use to harvest the flowers and then we can plant some more in, in some deep shade and see what happens. You have to adapt and learn. The leaves and the seeds of this plant contain something that's related to arsenic, but when you make tea and when you make syrup and stuff, you strain those out and it's not a problem at all. It's a very, very safe, effective, delicious medicine. This syrup, by the way, that you make from these berries is absolutely delicious. It's absolutely amazingly delicious but you cook it you always cook it you don't eat these berries raw one because you're not really supposed to eat the seeds but two they don't really taste good raw they taste good cooked you cook it to make the syrup and when you make tea well you strain it out right you don't eat the seeds and the leaves when you make tea you strain it so it's not really a problem when we say that the leaves are toxic it just means they're not toxic like poison ivy. You know, you can touch them and stuff. It means don't eat them. You just don't eat the leaves or the stems or the seeds. The other thing is you can make topical ointments with the leaves and use them topically. And they're very good for sore muscles and bruises and stuff. Like you can really heal bruises fast with a topical medicine made out of this. Like you can make an oil from it and then just rub it on your bruises and it will help heal them. A lot of people also use it as an insect repellent. They'll make like a tea out of it and then just use it as an insect repellent. So people use this plant for all kinds of things, but you don't eat the leaves. You can eat the berries, but you cook them and you can eat the flowers, but you cook them. These plants make so many berries that you can come here and we can dig some up for you okay. if you want. We will have a lot of little baby plants. Oh, yeah. They just pop up underneath there. Um, I do want to talk about a few more plants. So this one right here, this is kind of our medicine berm. This tree right here is one of my favorites. It's called Rusty Blackhaw Viburnum. It's a native. Rusty Blackhaw Verbena. Rusty Blackhaw Viburnum. Blackhaw? Blackhaw. Blackhaw. It's a long name, Rusty Blackhaw Viburnum. But this tree also gets these big white blooms on it. It's real pretty, it'll grow up tall. So when we trim this up, we use the stems to make medicine. And this is basically the same medicine as cramp bark. I don't know if any of you have ever used cramp bark, 
but it's exactly what it sounds like. You use it for cramps and things like that. So this is a really good women's ally for those kind of things. It's an anti-spasmodic. It will really help with those kind of things. It's usually the bark that you use. Yeah, so what we do is when we trim it in the winter, that's when we trim our trees and bushes in the winter. So the ones that are medicinal will make medicine at that point. I wanna point this out, you see this plant here? So this is hibiscus, but this is not the kind that you put in your ear and do the hula. This is the kind that makes that beautiful red tea. This does get a beautiful bloom, but behind it, it gets this red calyx, this fleshy red thing. And that's what you dry and make that wonderful red tea. It's really, really delicious. It's used a lot in uh, like South America and Mexico as a beverage. Jamaica, I think Jamaica, they call it. Yeah. Jamaica, yeah. That's this. It hasn't made them yet. So first it'll make the bloom. Oh, is it getting started? Well, no, not yet. It has to make the bloom first, and then right behind the bloom will be this red fleshy thing, and that's what we make that beautiful red tea out of. These are pear trees. That's a mimosa right there. These are all things that are growing on this berm. Um, there's some hawthorn, some holy basil. There's all kinds of other uh, wonderful herbs. This plant, I'll just mention real quick. This one doesn't look so good, but we have a bunch of these bushes right here. It's called pineapple guava. And pineapple guava. I love pineapple guava. Pineapple guava. So it gets a fruit on it, and when the fruit is ripe, it stays green. It never changes color, but it'll fall on the ground when it's ripe. And it actually does taste like a cross between a pineapple and a guava. It's real tropical, real tasty. The blossoms in the spring, it's these pretty pink and red blossoms, and they taste like cinnamon candy. I swear, really amazing bush. It's bush. There's one more plant that I forgot to tell you about, but I really want to point this one out to you before we end. And that one, it's the agarita. Agarita, it's like this stickery plant. Agarita, it is an amazing medicine plant and it is our source of berberine, which if you know what golden seal is, Golden seal is something that resolves infections. Really powerful medicine. So that is our Texas version of that plant that has the berberine in it. Yeah, this is it. Oh, the little bit yellow. Yeah, this grows all over the hill country. When this is in bloom, it smells so good. It smells like honey. The blossoms smell so good. And then it gets these little red berries that are really delicious. You can make a lovely jam out of if you can get to it because it's kind of stickery. It's the stems and the roots that we make the medicine because the berberine is in the stems. It's the same kind of thing. When we trim that one up, we use the stems to make medicine. It's also very good for your liver. Its superpower is that it, it fights infection, just like golden seal. It's very stickery. How do yeah. you um, like use the bark? Do you like make it into a tea or something? So what I would do is um, I wouldn't use the tip of it like this when you're trimming it back. Uh -huh. And because when you cut the big stem, you will see that it's bright orange and that's the berberine in there. So then you could take that, you could tincture it, you could dry it and make a tea, real good for your liver, really good liver tonic. You can make medicine, you can make tincture, you can dry it, you can do all kinds of things with these uh, stems. And I think the yellow also, like people used to use it for dyes, right? 
natural dyes? Yes, that's true, because it's a real bright yellow. You can't see it on this because this is the tip, but if that was the big stem at the bottom, it's bright yellow or bright orange, yeah. This grows all over the hill country. It's like scrub brush, but it's also real powerful medicine and it's a real special plant. So. The berries are not poison like if you're making a jelly with that. No, 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 they're real delicious. They taste really good. Yeah. yeah, they're really good. And that's a native cherry tree right there. Wow. A native Texas cherry tree. More for the birds, yeah. Out there, can you see there's like little baby fig trees growing? Those are the ones that I was telling you about. Those are the hopped figs. Oh, okay. So when those get big, they will not get as big as those. Okay. They will only get about maybe eight by 10 or something like that. And let me show you this tree also. This is a really cool tree. It's called the linden. So linden is really good heart medicine. Um, the blossoms are incredibly fragrant. And this makes a wonderful tea that's really uplifting and really good for your heart. This tree right here, you can make it with the leaves. So this I wanted to show you. This trellis is covered with this passion flower, and it's the same one that we looked at with the yarrow. And so this is the Passiflora fetida. It's a native passion flower with the pink blooms and the little, the little fruits on it. It's got those orange butterflies flying all around it. So that's the end of the tour. We've made some tea for you guys to taste over here. So I made two kinds of tea today. One of them is hibiscus. Remember the hibiscus plant? It's hibiscus and lavender. We also have lavender plants growing in different places. So it's hibiscus and lavender with honey in it. The smaller ones have uh, rose blossoms and lemon verbena. Those are not sweetened. You can taste both of them. So come on over and have some tea. Thank okay. you so much, it's yeah. amazing. It's so sweet You're to welcome. have like this like, full body experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roses are good for your heart. Thank you. Oops, that might be the end of it. It's really good heart medicine on every level. Physically, because physically they're very astringent. You know, they tighten and tone, but it's also good for your emotional heart as well. It's good stuff. First of all, let's all give her a round of applause for this excellent. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I met Marcia Beckford at the Roots and Wings Festival. She was at the Build a Bug Station, where we learned all about arthropods. What's an arthropod, you ask? An arthropod is an animal with a segmented body, jointed limbs, and a hard outer covering. More than 80% of all animals we know about on Earth are arthropods. Arthropods include insects, centipedes, millipedes, crabs, lobsters, and shrimp, spiders, scorpions, ticks, and mites. We love arthropods at the food forest because they make up a large group of pollinators. And now here's a poem by Marcia Beckford. There's give and take at Festival Beach Food Forest, a body with heart to nourish and fellowship. View the canopies, see the sun, sky, clouds, and stars, Walk through arteries, awaken the senses. A sustainable ecosystem that teems with edible plants, herbs, 
stems, roots, flowers, vegetables. A gathering place where animal and plant life, microbes live, thrive, vie, coexist and interact. Designed to mimic other natural forests, water, land, people, sky needs meat. Do volunteer. Thank you for joining us today. This show is run on a value for value system. That's time, talent, or treasure. The very best way to show your support is to come out and volunteer with us. You can find volunteer opportunities and a calendar of events at festivalbeach.org. You can also donate to Festival Beach and sign up for the newsletter at festivalbeach.org. Thanks for joining this walk today. This is Leah Lavise, and I'll see you at the food forest.